Church, we're talking about grace today. We're talking about grace is, I don't know if that's the title of this message, I'll apologize in advance again for my sloppy PowerPoints. Valerie is back in this week. She's back from holiday, so she's going to take over again. She's going to be squirming in her seat when she sees this moving on. I'm sorry, Valerie, in advance, but I do my best, but I'm just not you. So, church, we're going to be reading from God's Word to begin with, um, starting at 7. Second Timothy, and it's chapter 1, verses 8 to 9, so hopefully you can see that on the screen behind me. And it says this, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but sure in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose. And grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Church, allow me to pray and we're going to study God's word together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that it is here to edify us. God, it is here to teach and educate us. But God, we thank you that you've given us your word in order that we would read it, that we would know more about you, and that you would change us from the inside out. God, I pray that as we would read your word together, even as I would speak it, God, would each of us be changed? Would each of us be molded to be more like your son? God, as we would read of the grace of you, as the grace of Christ, God, we pray that today, we would be changed forever. And it's in your son's holy and precious name that we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Church, that's a great couple of verses that we have just read. There's a lot packed into those. And I just want to spend a few minutes today um, unpacking some of what God is trying to say to us through the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter to Timothy. Um, because there's, there's a lot in there. There's a lot for us to learn. And what I love about reading the New Testament is reading Paul's letters to the churches and the church leaders. The thing is that we, we can often read the word and we sort of think of it as this distant thing. Well, at least a lot of people do. It's sort of easy to be disconnected from it. But the thing is, Paul's talking to believers here. So that's what we need to remember when we read this. Paul is speaking to those who believe in Christ. He's speaking to those who trust Christ, who know Christ. Paul is speaking to the church. He is speaking to the church. And it begins with one word. You know, I love pointing out these wee words that nobody else would point out. But I just do that because I think that word, therefore... It gives us context because what we don't want to do is we don't just want to pluck out a couple of verses and then that be out of context and pull some meaning from it that isn't actually there. Because it, we're, very much, we're very much getting the meaning of this text today. But that word therefore, what it tells us is that this obviously carries on from something that was being written before it. This carries on from something that was already said. And what's being said to Timothy is nice things like like Paul's thinking about him that he's praying for him he's encouraged by his faith he's he's saying things really to build him up he's saying that actually remembering you encourages me 
Remembering you encourages me. And when I think of your struggle in Christ, well, it helps me with my struggle in Christ. You see, there you have one brother encouraging another brother. How great would the church be if we were doing that? How great would the church be if, like, like it says just before these verses, and this is the context that we're offering here because it talks about being found in Christ in these verses, but just before it, it says that, 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 that Timothy is being built up, he's being encouraged, he's being prayed for, and Paul's actually encouraged by his faith too much of the time church is like a competition amongst Christians. But wouldn't it be great if we were just encouragers of the faith? Wouldn't it be great to say, do you know what? I love that Pastor Matt asked you to speak today because you gave a powerful word. You can all tell Matt tomorrow, by the way, he's back tomorrow. <laughs> he's back tomorrow. So everybody feel free to send him a text and say the last two weeks have been amazing, Pastor. <laughs> But we're glad you're back. I'll be glad he's back, church. Wouldn't it be great if church was a place where we were building each other up in the faith, where we were praying for one another? And not only that, because I know that people pray for one another, but you know what's nice? When somebody lets you know that they're praying for you, there's just something significant about that. There's just something that's really special when somebody says, I was praying for you this week because God just put you on my heart. Because you know what? It's just always at the right time. There's, there's no such thing as the wrong time to pray for somebody. But yeah, these letters that are written are to Christians. And then what he, what he goes on to say after the encouragement is he tells, he tells Timothy to use faith and then he says the couple of verses that we have just read. So that is therefore. And it says in those verses, sure, in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Sure, in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Do you know, the suffering that we well, I don't know, even, even saying that word, the suffering that we endure as Christians, it's not even really close to that which Paul endured. I mean, Paul's writing letters from prison. He was imprisoned for his faith. And you talk about the apostles and, and the death that they died for their faith, for speaking the gospel, for preaching the gospel. As of, as of right now, we won't end up in prison for sharing our faith with other people. It might be an uncomfortable experience, but that won't happen to us. But yeah, the suffering that we endure isn't quite that of what we're reading, but we can definitely take something from it. You know, at the pastor's, at the, sorry, at the Living Word Bible study a couple of weeks ago, um, Tim Bailey was speaking and he talked about our brothers and sisters across the world. You know, when we talk about Christians in our country being persecuted and it's just sad, the reality that Christians around the world have to face, isn't it, church? I mean, you talk about the church in China. They're not allowed a building on the road. They can't have it in the middle of an estate. They can't, they can't, they have to do church with a special knock so that you can get in. 
who talk about our brothers and sisters around the world and how they experience church. You know what? We really don't have it so bad. And so with that, I feel that that should be an encouragement. It should be a drive for us to share the word, to share our faith, to share what we have with others because the fact that we can share that is a privileged church. God has put us in a really good position to share his gospel with others. We don't really see the suffering that other Christians suffered. But you know what? Even if we did, even if we did, or maybe we, maybe we, are, we are suffering in different ways. It might be less or so, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. We just live in a different context. So maybe we suffer for the gospel in a different way. Maybe we, um, maybe we are persecuted in a different way. But if you're going to suffer in any way for the gospel, if you're going to share that with people, church, you might lose friends. It might look like that. Maybe things will be a bit awkward with your family at events because they know that you're the Christian now. You know, maybe things will be a bit weird at the corner shop because they just know you as that brainwashed Christian that goes to live in home. It might be a bit different. It might be a bit strange. It might be a bit awkward, but church... By the power of God. By the power of God. Sure and suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Church, did you know that there is power in suffering? Did you know that there is power in persecution? And what I mean by that is, in, you know, when we look at the example of gold... And, and how gold is made. I don't know if you know anything about it. But in order to get the purest gold, it has to be melted to such a high degree. And it has to be refined. And, and in order to get pure gold, all of, all of the, the rubbish is removed from it. The stones. In order to get pure gold, it has to be melted down. It has to be refined. Things have to be cut away. Things have to be removed. God promises that there is power in your suffering. God promises not only that there would be power. God promises his power in your suffering for his gospel. Church, can I encourage you today to share his word with somebody? Because grace is enough. Grace is enough. It goes on to say in those verses, down toward the bottom there, because of his own purpose and grace. Church, there's nothing that we could do. There is nothing that we could do to earn what God has given us. No way, not even close. I could spend my whole life and maybe that's what, that's what we're aiming to do. We can spend our whole lives serving God, but there's nothing that we could do to earn his favor. There's nothing that we could do to repay what Christ has done for us. But church, it's not about us. 
It's all about him. We were praying this morning as a team and talking about John the Baptist and how he says that there is one more worthy than I that is to come. This is a guy who had an incredible ministry, who baptized maybe thousands. And, and this guy was well respected. He was revered. And yet, what has he become? He just simply becomes a finger pointing. He says, there's one greater than I that is to come. It says his own purpose and grace. His purpose is the gospel to bring glory to himself. Grace means that we could do nothing to deserve the holy calling that we have been given. Because it says there, holy calling. He has called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, not because of anything that we could do, but because of his own purpose and his grace. What's his purpose for our lives? It's that he would show grace to us and then that we would show what God has done in our lives to others. Church, we are fingers pointing. Pointing to him. And it says there before the ages began. That, that's, uh, that's a bit mad to wrap your head around, to be honest. That's that kind of something else. Grace is hard to wrap our heads around because it's, it's such a God thing. Because you know that you have actually experienced grace from before you were even born. From before you were even born. Because it says that we were given a holy calling before the ages began. But there's no real reason for that other than God's purpose, other than God's glory. You experience grace in the calling to a holy life that you were given before the ages began. Before time began, before you were even born, you were set apart, you were given a calling, and you knew grace. Do you know, we say that grace is enough, but to be fair, we're talking a lot about grace, and I have a few minutes, and I just want to try and do my best to explain a bit about what grace actually is, because I think it's one of these Christian buzzwords that we that we see, we hear, we obviously read about in God's word, but we don't, not all of us will know entirely what it means. We'll actually use the word and not necessarily know what we're talking about. Can I tell you today that if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're probably somewhat of an expert on grace. Maybe not, maybe not defining it, but certainly experiencing it. Because if you're found in Christ, then you have experienced grace. Because you think of who you were before Christ. Or you think about even now in Christ and the things that we still do and the ways that we still fall short. And yet his grace is enough. You're an expert. You're an expert in experiencing grace. We all need a lot of it. Even though we have been shown an enormous amount of grace by God, we're still often, well, we're still left with this question. What is grace? 
And the word grace is obviously defined in the dictionary, and it's maybe not, that's maybe not where we want to get our first definition of grace, but I'm going to show, I'm going to show what, what, what the dictionary has to say about it, what the world has to say about it, because it's relevant to what God has to say about grace, and you'll see why in a minute. See, the dictionary defines grace as a manifestation of favour, especially by a superior. But it also says this, which I find really interesting. It says, an allowance of time after a debt or bill has become payable, granted to the debtor before a suit can be brought against them or a penalty applied. What that means is there's a period of grace. And I'll explain that with an example. Um, was it last week? It was when I was off anyway. Pastor Matt sent me a message. That's not really a message that you want to get even when you're in, never mind when you're off. And he sent me two pictures and one of them was a letter saying that you've been caught by a speed camera. And the other one's a picture of the van going through said speed camera. Talk about grace. Like he didn't, he just sent me the pictures. He didn't even say anything. Do you know when people just let it stew? He just sent me the pictures. He didn't even say anything. It's like, oh dear. So I read this letter. I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh dear. What date's that? And then I'm looking. I'm like, it's a Saturday. I had to work on a Saturday. Surely I couldn't have had the van. And God's grace, I didn't even, I wasn't even driving at church. Getting God good. The ticket wasn't mine anyway. But what the letter actually explains. Ah, it was some fellow that borrows the van. He actually, do you know, it's funny, he's literally been driving for a year and a half and never got a ticket and then just decided to go through a bus lane for some random reason. But anyway, that's besides the point. So the letter's there and it says that there's a, there's a penalty that has to be paid. And if you pay it within two weeks, it's £45. So that's actually, believe it or not, that's your period of grace. Because then after that, it's extended to £90. So there's this period of grace that this is talking about. It's like an allowance of time after you've been given your fine, after you've been given your debt. This means that if somebody is in debt and it's come time to pay up, they're given a short time just before that. Just before that they can be charged. And this is probably entirely different to how we experience grace from God. The Bible says, for there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Church, we were in debt, and now we are free from it, and we're free from it forever. Church, the period of grace that we have been given lasts for eternity. It does not run out. The grace that you have experienced in your life as somebody who believes in God, it is from the moment that he called you until the end of time through eternity. You see, we were in debt and now we're free from it because Jesus Christ gave himself as a ransom. The grace that Jesus gives us 
does not have an expiry date. He is paid our debt in full. Often in the world, you experience a little bit of grace from people. They say, I'll give you a day's grace. I'll give you a week's grace. But then I expect what Christ does is, here's grace. But you can never repay me. And maybe that explains what grace is all about. As I said, it is, it's difficult for us to wrap our heads around. But there's a quote that I read that I, that I love that kind of gets to that. It says, I do not at all understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are, but does not leave us where it found us. Isn't God good, church? What the Bible says about grace is this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. See, that's what grace is, church. It's a free gift. And I just think it's not something that's, that's, um, that's necessarily overly, I don't know, overly, overly deep. But I think it's something that we constantly need reminded of. We have experienced grace and it is a free gift. It's a gift that we've done nothing to deserve. But church, that's the point. That's why it's grace. And that's why the world could never wrap its head around the grace that we receive as believers. See, grace is righteousness gained at Christ's expense. He goes to the cross for us so that we can become righteous. And why? Because he's love. Because he's grace. And he wants to bring glory to himself. And do you know what? I think we can, we can talk about that and sometimes we might think that that sounds like a selfish thing. As if God is selfish for wanting to bring glory to himself. Church, he never had to bring us along. He never had to extend grace to us. But Christ on the cross purchased us for a relationship with God that we ourselves could never afford. Church, don't take that for granted. If you're somebody who has ever made a decision to follow Christ, if you're somebody who knows Christ as your Lord and Savior, well, don't take for granted the grace that's been extended to you. Grace is received and it cannot be earned. Once this gift is realized, it covers everything. Every debt is canceled. Every single sin, post, present and future. That is grace. And you know, we, we talk about some of the... The difficult things or the more severe things that people have done in their lives. You say, well, how can you, how can you accept them in the church? And I look at the Apostle Paul, who led Christians to their death before God took them and called them his own. And led them to write half the New Testament that we read today. Grace is enough. And either what Christ did on the cross covers all of it or it covers none of it. 
There's no in-between. And I'll tell you which one it is. It covers it all. Grace is enough to make tough calls. If God tells you to do something, then your obedience to him and to that and to showing grace to others, then then that is a tough call that you make, but that that is an expression of your obedience to God. I want to finish with one verse here. And it says this in 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. Church, I touched on this last week, not this specific verse, but this idea. Can we just, can we show others even a little bit of the grace that we have been shown? We love because he first loved us. There is nobody who has ever shown grace in a more difficult way than Christ did. He went to the cross and died for you. So extend love to people. Love because he first loved you. Extend love to people by showing them grace. And don't put an expiry date on it. No matter how many times somebody's frustrated you or annoyed you, just be gracious. We're all imperfect people. But Christ either died for all of it or none of it. And I know which one you believe. And I know I joked at the start. I said if you're, if you're not a Christian, then I believe that you're here to get saved. But can I offer you this? That no matter what your story looks like, no matter what your background is, no matter what decisions you've made or have not made, it, no matter if you, if you were in church growing up and then you left, no matter if you were there for a while and then left, no matter if you'd never experienced it before living hope, Can I tell you that there's grace for all of it and Christ died on the cross to have a relationship with you. And let's not delay this. Why are you delaying it? God wants you for eternity. And look at his word and see what he's done for that. Don't worry about the awkward conversations. Because God will give you power in that. Don't worry about all the external factors. Just look at this. Because he first loved us. What that looks like is Christ going to the cross. Christ dying on the cross for you. And Christ being buried in a tomb for you. But you see, the grace that we experience is also in Christ's resurrection. And again, hold on to this. Christ raised from the dead. He lives forever. And what that means is he is who he said he is. And so we get to live forever with him too. The opportunity is extended to you today. If you don't know him, get to know him. 
if you haven't experienced that grace in your life yet, well, today is the day. Do not wait. God is calling you, and this is the moment. This is the day for that. If that's you, if there's anybody that would like to chat at the end, then I will be at the door, or I'm sure one of our team would love to speak with you as well. But churches, allow me to pray for you. Could I ask you to stand to your feet? God, we thank you for your grace in our lives. Thank you that it is indeed enough and it covers it all. God, we thank you for the free gift that you have given us. And God, today, we give you praise for who you are. I pray for those who the Holy Spirit is making feel uncomfortable right now. God, would you break their hearts and transform them? Would you lead them to yourself in this place today? Amen.